Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. Welcome to Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Selden. I am an interior design professional. And boy, have things been complicated. I am currently in quarantine uh, as I returned to Canada from the United States, and I'm following the rules. But in the meantime, we've got some installations happening, and I'm having to attend those installations via FaceTime. Uh, My quarantine ends on Wednesday, uh, just in time because we're taping an episode of City Line on Wednesday. That's uh, a kitchen that we recently renovated for clients and then we're also filming her backyard. So it's a little crazy and I feel like I've been put on the bench and the sidelines. I'm like raising my hands, put me in coach, put me in. Anyway, it's all good. I'm super happy to be busy and actually quite thankful to have been busy for the last year and a half while life has been happening all around us. We've got a fun episode for you today. Well, okay, that's in my humble opinion, Uh, but the episode has some great learning as well. Cheryl has poached some questions from our Business of Design Facebook community. It's a private community, and I am going to be weighing in on those questions here. In addition, you will hear, hear Cheryl and I discuss our recording weaknesses. For Cheryl, it's using the word um a little bit too much maybe. And I use that word as well. And from time to time, I'm not proud of this, but I let a curse word fly when I'm recording the intro to the episodes. So we decided it would be great aversion therapy for both of us if we did a little recording of our ums and swear words. And we've provided that for you at the very, very, very end of the show, right after the commercial. So stay to the end if you have a desire to hear our um blue reel. Make sure the kiddos aren't listening uh, to the end of the podcast if you're driving. This podcast contains harsh language. I'm working on it. I don't want to swear. I don't like it, but I do it sometimes. So anyway, let's get into the show. And as always, we're very, very grateful for your support and your love of business of design. Thank you so much, everyone. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Well, this is most unusual to be introducing Cheryl Horn. How are you? Good. I feel like I'm the one taking over the podcast this week because I have questions for you. Oh, I don't know. Are these easy ones or hard ones? Well, we always, you know, talk within the office that um, there's just, there's so many great conversations going on within the um, members only Facebook community. And we really try and stay out of it. It's, you know, our members opportunity to connect with one other, one another, you know, share experiences with other designers who are doing all the same stuff that they are. 
I thought it might be fun for you to weigh in on a couple of these. Okay. It should be very clear to everyone for the record that Cheryl has forbidden me from being part of the Facebook community. I am not allowed to weigh in because I would be butting into every conversation. So this is my rare, rare opportunity for me to be able to like put some input into the Facebook community. Although we do watch those conversations closely and they end up being some of the learning we provide during the BOD live events, I will say. But everybody should know that Cheryl forbids me from this group. <laughs> well, it's it's really active. I think that would be, you know, almost uh, another job for you. <laughs> another full-time job to participate if you're trying to get in on all the conversation. It really is active. If you're a member of Business of Design and you haven't joined the Facebook group, please do so. I, I direct people there all the time for other members who can answer questions that we can't that are... Um, you know, location specific for one, you know, if you're in a certain right. area and want to know about a receiver, whether or not you can charge for project management, things like that. Who do you, yeah. Who do you use for insurance? Like th- things like that, that we can't necessarily advise on when it's in a specific area. Yes. And I just also want to say our members give really great advice. So I think what you've done, Cheryl, is you've taken a couple of conversations off the business of design Facebook community, and you're going to ask me the things? (laughs) Um, I just pulled a few questions and I I thought you could uh, weigh in. Oh, fun. So the first question I have uh, is from Lucy. And most most of these are new members. So we're um, some of it sort of um, uh, members who are just getting started with business and design systems. So um, (laughs) Lucy's feeling a bit disheartened. Um, she just increased her rate for the consultation after joining business of design, which was great. And, um, she also read her contract at the consultation, which she thought she'd chicken out doing, but she did it. The client seemed really happy with everything and grateful out at how easy the contract was to understand, but the husband had to leave before she had a chance to read the contract even though she let them know in advance that the consultation was going to be two hours. Um, So she got to read the contract to the wife, but not the husband. It was the wife that read the contract to the husband later on. So now they don't want to go ahead because they don't want to do the retainer. So of course, now she's got doubts creeping in and she's analyzing everything. What went wrong? What did she explain wrong? Things like that. So she's just wondering if you've ever had a client question the retainer or give pushback if that's their reason for not moving forward. Awesome question. So first of all, oh, poor Lucy. We do not want you to feel disheartened. That's terrible. Um, And secondarily, yay, you read the contract line by line. It took me years to be willing to do that. And it's a game changer. I want to assure you, Lucy, that you did nothing wrong. If they do not want to give you a retainer, it has nothing to do with you charging for the consultation, which is really good, or reading that contract line by line, which is really good, particularly important to do when you are dealing with one of a partnership. In other words, if you just have the one partner there, in this case, it was the wife, you have the wife there, you have to read that contract line by line so she really understands what's in the contract. Because when her partner comes home, he or she is going to say, what do you mean? I don't understand this. And you want to be able to arm them 
with the information they need in order to answer all the questions. So you did all that perfectly well. Have I ever had a situation where a client didn't want to pay a retainer? Yes. Why on earth would someone not want to pay a retainer? When I think about that, honestly, the only answer I can come up with is they know that that is your protection to guarantee you always get paid. And that's why they don't want to give a retainer. Now, some years ago, I was willing sometimes to go without a retainer. And guess what happened? A couple of times, I didn't get paid. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have any of the principles, protocols, systems, and strategies I have today. So I can't imagine that that could ever happen. On the other hand, having the retainer means 100% of the time in the last 15 years, I've gotten paid for every penny of the job that I've done. So you just simply cannot afford to work without a retainer unless you are getting 100% of your flat fee upfront. And I don't want you to go there yet. I want you to stick with business of design. I want you to implement everything you're learning And when you feel really confident and the profit is flowing, then let's talk about when you could introduce flat fees because they are definitely harder. That was a long-winded answer, Cheryl. Did I cover all the bases? I think you did. And I I knew you'd be impressed when you read that, that she read the contract line by line and she's new to business of design. We actually just talked about that at BOD Live because reading the contract line by line is always one of the last thing things that members do because it's scary. (laughs) Yeah, it's really scary. One of the things that we've decided to do, uh, we do have our updated contracts coming out at the end of June, which is great. It's long awaited. It is. And in typical business of design fashion, if you purchased the existing contract previously, First of all, thank you. We appreciate it. The new version is improved, but it is not a 180 degree turn. That said, if you purchased our existing contract in 2021, you will automatically receive the updated contract. You don't have to do anything about that. If you purchased it prior to that, we will have the new contract available to you for an upgrade fee rather than the full purchase price. A question that we hear frequently is, how on earth can you read the contract in 20 minutes? It's impossible. So what we are going to do is film me reading the contract to a client. I'm using client in air quotes. We'll probably use an actor for this experience, but she's an actor who's not an interior design professional, so her questions will be real. I will be reading the contract to her line by line, answering her questions and show you how I do it. And that is going to be available to everyone who has purchased the updated contract. I'm very excited about this. I've been working on it for a while. It kind of is part of a whole thorough house cleaning to incorporate all the things I've learned in the last 20 years since we launched Business of Design. Lots happened. Lots has changed. I think the videotaped version of me reading the contract is going to be helpful because I know for me, I had a lot of fear initially reading that contract. How am I going to do it? It's too long. How am I going to keep their attention? I had just so many questions in my mind. I think you'll see it's easier to do than you may have imagined. And of course, like anything, practice makes perfect. It will get easier. In fact, it will get ridiculously easy. So that's sort of been a popular request. So we'll figure out how to make that available to our members who also have the contract. But just to see how quickly you can do it, I think that's what surprises people. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'll, that'll be great. So that's, that's coming up. We'll keep everyone posted. Next question. I know you're going to have opinions on this. Leslie, another new member, but also she's new to running a design business and she started out as a home interior blogger and influencer. And she's curious how you handle the idea of shopping with a client. She's wondering if that's completely taboo or if it's something that you do. <laughs> oh, I can see why you thought I was going to have an opinion about this. This is something I almost never do because in my experience, when I bring a client into the exciting world of a showroom, even a small showroom, they get distracted. And we may be on a purpose to find a single sectional for the family room and they will wander off and find new bar stools for the kitchen, or they'll fall in love with a purple sofa, which doesn't go with anything else that we have in mind. And suddenly I find myself changing everything to accommodate the new purple sofa that they happen to see. So I do in fact try to avoid it. Having said that, After I do the presentation, if the client then wants to go to a showroom and sit on things and try things out and uh, feel and touch things with with her own hands, I will take her in that case to do that. Most of the time, my clients don't want that experience. Um, Most of the time, having delivered a presentation that is so thorough, they are just so excited they can't wait to make it happen. And I don't have to go to that trouble. But occasionally a client does want to see something, in which case I will make an appointment at the showroom and I will be really strong and firm about staying focused on what we're supposed to accomplish for the day. I think Leslie's also relatively new. Yes, she's new to business of design, but she's also new to running a design business. Right. Okay. Yeah. For me, Leslie, when I first started out, I I had such trouble keeping a clear line between me and the client. I became friends with my clients and suddenly I found myself going out to lunch and they'd whip out their plans or show me their fabric swatches and I'd be answering a thousand questions while not getting paid for a single moment. So I really had to shut that down and decide that I was going to have to step up even at, you know, at the age that I was at then, which was you know, in my 30s, I was going to have to step up and be a boss and keep the boundaries firm, which, you know, meant, I guess, and means for me, I tell the clients, this is how I manage the project. And then I don't deviate from the rules, the boundaries, the systems, procedures, protocols that I know work. That's what has worked best for me. When on occasion, when you do go shopping with clients, uh, do you charge a day rate or a half day rate, or do you stick with your hourly if that's the fee that you're charging on a project? And if it's a flat fee project and a client wants to go shopping and that suddenly adds a half a day, how would you charge for that? Okay. Good. So good question. I'm glad you asked about that. And it makes me remember that there have been times where I had a client in Toronto and we've done this three or four times. A client in Toronto, we have such limited inventory here in Toronto. We have beautiful showrooms. They have very little on their floor because spaces tend to be smaller and we just don't have as much inventory. So there have been times when I have flown to New York with clients and scheduled appointments at the D&D building or whatever and run through and picked an entire house full of furniture in three days. And it's super fun. It works really well 
well for clients who want immediate action and don't mind spending money because it's expensive. Um, On the other hand, I think it saves so much money in design fees that in fact, it sort of pays for itself because we get so much done in such a short period of time. So in that case, I would do a day rate and my day rate is always 10 hours, not eight hours. So that's a big deal because there's wind up time and wind down time. And I'm sorry if we stop for lunch, that's okay. That's part of the day. The other time I would go shopping with a client uh, is right now, in fact, because I've been living in LA for six months. I had several projects in Toronto where we were desperate to see fabrics together and we haven't been able to. And because um, two cases where I'm taking clients to look at fabrics, they are repeat clients. I've done two two projects for one of them and three for the other one. I know they are very swift decision makers and they don't get distracted. So we're actually going together to the fabric store to complete a couple of scenarios. Um, But it's only because COVID disrupted things so incredibly for uh, everybody in Ontario during the, during the, what do you call it? The spring, right? We, We were great until the spring of 2020 and then things went crazy here. So Sorry, no, no, no. That was spring of 2021. Ontario was doing great until spring of 2021. So I had done all these presentations. And of course, I'm showing them fabrics over Zoom, uh, but it's just not the same thing. So I did make a couple of exceptions. And in fact, in June, I'm very excited. I have appointments at several showrooms with clients to just finish off the schemes that I started, but have not been able to show them. So that was a lot of answers to one question, right? Do I ever go shopping with clients? No, but then yes, I do. I'll take clients to New York and go through the D&D building and choose furniture for the whole house. And in fact, I love doing that. So I can't wait to do that again. And I will occasionally take a client who is super, super focused. If there's some extraordinary reason I need to, I will take that client uh, shopping. But for the most part, no. I like to do the presentation and then afterwards, if there's questions, we can make arrangements to visit some shops together. Thank you for the question, Leslie, and we're really glad you're here. Leslie also wrapped things up by saying BOD has been a lifeline for getting my business really off the ground. So of course I got to conclude that. (laughs) Of course you did. You know what? We forgot something. We forgot to do announcements. So I just want to throw a couple of things out there really, really quickly. We're super excited that uh, our first boss group is full. It's closed, done. Team BOD will be accepting applications on an ongoing basis for the next available boss group, which will be coming up in April of 2022. So the site will be updated for that if you're interested. I've also updated the events calendar. So uh, we're trying to plan further ahead. You know, our, our members like to plan. So for our BOD Live, June, July, and August are on the site. We've got Profit First coming up as our next book club in June. July, we're going to be going back to basics and doing Q&A about the BOD 15. And in August, we're going to be talking contracts. So all three of those are open on the site. uh, So you can bookmark your calendar. And then we've also added the retreat, which has actually been up there for a little while right now. It's just to save the date. We're super excited to just see it on the calendar. It makes us happy that we'll be heading back to Santa Monica, uh, very end of April. So April 28th to May 1st, 2022. But We're just excited to see it on the calendar. (laughs) Right? Something so good to look forward to. I think we're going to have to do a big dog pile group hug or something. 
Oh, I know. I see. It still seems too far away. We're excited to get it up there, but it's still too far away. It does. So it does. let's look forward to in the meantime, though. So Jem had actually posted a question for me that we do not have um, an answer for on the site as part of BOD content. Um, so maybe you can just shed a little light on this. She's wondering if there's a place or if we provide um, a breakdown of what the budget typically goes towards for a construction project. So for example, 20% is for design, 20% is for materials. Um, you know, I know you always say to leave 20% for styling at the end. Do you have a breakdown that you would share with clients in terms of being able to manage their expectations going into a project, what their money is going to be spent towards? That is a really interesting uh, question, and my my answer is not going to make you happy. The answer is no. It's impossible. Let's imagine for a second that we actually had such a breakdown. Right now, this very moment, lumber prices are three times what they've been in the past. I would be disappointing my clients by... 300% if I tried to give them a materials budget up front. Secondarily, it is not my job the very minute I meet a client at the consultation to provide them with an accurate budget. I can't do it. It can't be done. That said, I certainly can tell them some general parameters, and I do have in my mind certain spaces a kind of a budget to think about. So for example, I can say, you know, the average kitchen in my office is going to be anywhere from $60,000 to $150,000. And then I can watch the client's reaction. I can hear what they say next and I can learn so much. If that client turns around and says, $60,000 to $150,000, that's what we want to spend on the whole house. Oh my gosh, we have a problem, right? I can't do your whole house for $150,000. So right away, I know I have a client who isn't sophisticated when it comes time to budget for a home. And that's not a criticism. That's not what this client does for a living. So I understand that, but it's my job to set them right. Um, and establish that expectation. And so now I know, uh, in the same example, the client's got $150,000 wants to do the whole house. I can tell her, like, it's not possible. It's nobody could do that for you in terms of a renovation. If you really only want to spend $150,000, I would recommend we do the kitchen and the living room because I know we can do them spectacularly. You're going to love them. And five years from now, let's tackle the other spaces, but let's do these spaces right. And then I get to decide, is this the client for me or not the client for me? I would caution anyone from giving any client anything like a budget at the first meeting or a set of numbers that you can't really verify accurately. I can't verify accurately. It's, it's, it's really important to manage client expectations, but if any part of doing that is guessing or estimating, that's not what you're doing. You're managing expectations in the short term, but not the long term. It's so true, right? And I'll say to clients, like, let me ask you something. Has anybody ever been here before and giving you an estimate on something? Has it been accurate? No. Was it lower? (laughs) Did it turn out to be less expensive than the estimate? No. It always, 100% of the time, turns out to be more expensive. So I try at the beginning to really terrify them about how expensive it's going to be because then the feedback I get is really, really important. It doesn't mean that I only take jobs where people spend a million dollars. If they actually only want to spend $30,000, 
great. Let me tell them how they can spend that and really enjoy what they're going to receive for that. Or let me tell them I'm not the right designer. Because if you're only going to spend $30,000 on this project, our design fees are going to be ridiculously expensive compared to what you're buying. So I don't think we're the right firm for you. And then in that case, I would do my best at the consultation to give them really good, solid advice on how to set themselves up to succeed with their project. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Because I think all she's looking for is information that she can give her client to help manage their expectations when they are talking about budget, since she won't know accurate, accurate numbers yet. But to be able to give those ranges and see the client's reaction and deal with that on the spot before she's gone through all the work to get to the presentation, I'm sure will set her on the right track. Don't forget too, as you are establishing your uh, fee for the consultation, you are calling out to a specific client. If you're charging $100 for the consultation, you are calling out to the client who thinks $100 for a consultation is expensive or worthwhile. If your consultation is $1,000 for two hours, you're calling out to a very different client. So none of this is a mystery. It's just sometimes we have to have the courage to do what we know we need to do. And as you said, Cheryl, it's our job to set their expectations that whatever they want to spend, it's going to be, it's going to go a lot less far than they hope it will at the end of the day. We all know that. So the next question I have from Julie uh, says that I'm actively looking to increase the compensation for my top designer. What ways have you found outside of simply increasing their base salary to either provide them with an incentive or reward for either your designers or other staff? Do you ever share uh, a percentage of the margin earned on a specific project? Uh, She's looking for ideas on how to do that. Oh, wow. Okay. I have more questions than answers right now. But the first thing I'm going to say is don't you ever share a percentage of the margin of profit unless that other person's name is on the door. Because when you get a job that fails and you lose money, you are not going to ask them to contribute to that. So let's just put that thought aside. That just, just, just get that out of our head for sure. So the next thing I will say I'm just so curious, why do you want to increase the compensation for your senior designers? Is it because you're paying them such little money? And the reason for that can only be that you're not profitable enough. So keep coming back, keep implementing, and you will be profitable enough. Or is the reason you're afraid um, your designer, he or she is going to leave, and so you're trying to keep them enticed by paying them more money, keep them on the hook. My experience with um, staff, and Cheryl probably can weigh in on this one too, my experience with staff is it's one thing to be compensated fairly and well. That's wonderful. But that won't keep someone. In my experience, if, if, a, if an employee doesn't have autonomy, they don't feel a sense of purpose and accomplishment every day on the job. Uh, in other words, you know, if you're constantly micromanaging them and they never have any authority in their own calendar, they're going to be miserable and they're going to quit. And getting from the new employee who doesn't know anything to the employee who can really behave autonomously, which is, you know, it 
takes a little effort and having an operations manual is the thing that saved me there is here are the steps to do the work I need you to do. And if you can follow these steps and pursue and produce the results we need, then this is going to be a happy relationship and I'm not going to micromanage you. And so those are the people who end up staying. I sort of circled the drain there, Cheryl, but what, what do you think about why do people stay with someone for a long time? Well, and I think, I mean, our office is a good example because all of our staff, I mean, I've been with you for almost 15 years, um, you know, same with Kathy and your other designers. It's It's been so long and that's not, you know, it's not an annual raise or something like that that keeps any of us, you know, that's not what we look forward to in a year. But I think everyone on staff, which is a benefit to you as well, feels, you know, if I talk to anybody about business of design, you'd think I own it. Like, you know, I, I have that, uh, that control. I have responsibilities. I have any number of things that I can do that I don't feel like I need to run by you. I feel like I'm trusted and can make those decisions. I feel like I have input on what we do next for business of design. I feel like I have an equal say when we have those conversations. And I think it's the same for your design team. I know that there are certain steps you're more involved with than others, you know, for project management. I know that you really do take a step back and Kathy and your other designers have that opportunity to lead. They can refer to it as their project and they feel ownership of what they do. And I think that that's just as important. And I think that's what keeps people in it long-term because it's motivated because the results are something that they can be proud of because they feel like they've had a say in getting there. They're not just following orders. Right. So interesting. So I do feel like there's a follow-up question there. Like, what is the reason you want to increase their compensation? Um, You know, and I've had experience in the past where, you know, it's been a long time, but there were years when I was just so desperate to keep people. I was throwing money at people. I was throwing titles at people. I'm throwing, you want Fridays off? Go ahead. I don't care. You want me to pick your kids up and drop them off at school and pick them up and bring them home and give them a snack? Fine. I'll do anything. And that just didn't work. Like that sort of desperation terrified people and they just ran like they were on fire from the building, which was horrible. So it really is a matter of getting, you know, gosh, I'm such a broken record, but get your system strategies and protocols in writing and then the people you hire will succeed and they'll stay a long, long time. And there's nothing better than having employees to whom you can say, Cheryl, you just decide. I, whatever you decide is fine with me. Or, you know, yeah, Kathy, Victoria, Francis. Like, I just have really smart people and I say, what do you think? And there are lots of times when I have a strong opinion, but there are just as many times where I say, you're right, let's do it your way. So um, interesting. This reminds me though, we have a members only podcast coming up. It's on the schedule. We're going to talk about profit sharing, incentivizing your team, uh, some of the tricks and strategies that I've used to increase revenue revenue in the office. So that's a members only podcast coming up. So you guys keep listening for that as well. And we'll also touch base because we do get a lot of questions along those same lines, Um, sort of the pros and cons of having employees versus contractors. I know we've shared that it's been seven or eight years now that Kimberly has the same staff now as all contractors that you did as salaried employees for the 10 years prior that everyone made the shift and stayed on. There are differences between being employees versus contractors. And I think the way you handle incentives and, 
you know, salaries and pay sort of fall into those same lines. So we'll touch on that too. I do have one more question. I think we're out of time for today, but I think we're gonna lump this in with a members only podcast because I do think the answers will deep dive into the BOD 15 system. So I'll share the question with you now, Kimberly, so that you can prepare, but we'll we'll record it for another another episode. Um, So Elizabeth had written in, our client is trying to decide if they will renovate their kitchen or remodel it. Renovating will not change the layout, but remodeling it will. Do we present both options with corresponding pricing at the presentation? It seems like a lot of double work. In the past, we would create drawings and provide preliminary pricing for both options and make the decision before moving on. She's an experienced designer, but is new to business of design, and she's trying to follow our new format, so she's not sure how to proceed. But again, I think the answers to that are going to be, you know, very involved with the BOD 15. I don't think we've got time to go through all that now, but we'll save that question for a members-only episode as well. Yes, we will do that. And if you're not yet a member, honestly, what are you waiting for? Be part of this community where you get practical answers for every part of running your business and running projects. Cheryl, thank you so much. No problem. We'll do it again soon. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today. For those of you who stuck around for the blooper reel, here it is. Harsh language ahead. Um, 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 shit. No, damn it. Um, um, shit, that's not, oh my God, damn it. Shit. Um, um, for our sugar, shit, 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 shit. Um, 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 oh my God, what is wrong? Shit. Damn. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Um, but, um, 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 but, um, 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 but, um, um, but, um, 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 dumb ass. No, no. Shit. Um, are you fucking kidding me? Fuck. Um, 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 um,